previously on the Cyber Guys. You don't create this level of fear, concern, angst. The motivation to get people off their uh, tuckuses to do something is just not there. What is the number one vector of attack? Humans. Users exploiting exploiting the human weakness. Exactly. You know this is this is Y2K all over again. But ultimately, what got down to my ears was we're all gonna die. There's a weird tension balance, you know, a dissonance. I even between what people need to know and need to be worried about and what people are worried about and what people do know. Everyday user, some of the very same business leaders that do not think cyber risk is very important to pay attention. <laughs> they are part of the problem, no question. They are part of the problem. And so when you take that and you marry that up with the idea that there's a catastrophe coming, there's not much you can do about it, the problem is systemic, you as an everyday user, are going to hear those headlines and go. Welcome back, folks, to the Cyber Guys podcast, the cybersecurity podcast for everybody. We're back with part two of our discussion about the a World Economic Forum's Global Cybersecurity Outlook for 2023. But first, if this is your first time, welcome. If you're coming back, we appreciate you coming on back. Make sure you hit that like button. And if you're not subscribed, become a subscriber so you don't miss out on any of the amazing content that we're putting out every single week. Now, that's out of the way. Let's get into it. I know you're, you're absolutely right. You make an extremely cogent point, right? That Attack vectors are uh, variable, are, are the variable, right? But we do know that there is one, uh, there is one vector that is favored by most hackers. And that's what the human and the worst thing that we could do for our users right now is put up a big giant, we're all going to die. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> well, see, that, that, see that, that, that's, that's where I do disagree with you. The, the, the thing is, both extremes are bad. The extreme of there's nothing to see here, go back to your daily lives. That's bad. Oh, don't get me wrong. That's not what but I'm saying. Also, definitely not you're, saying that. You're, you're, <laughs> I understand. What I'm saying is, is, is I'm giving you both extremes. Mm -hmm. The one extreme is nothing to see here. Go back to your lives. The other extreme is you're all going to die. So you know, live for the moment. Right. <laughs> you know, the point is both both of those extremes produce the same result. We need to find the happy space. In well, and, and that's that's why I and think, that's that's my point. Right. No. And 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 we're we are absolutely in agreement. That is why I think it's so important that we enable our users. They have to know they're the front line of defense with cybersecurity. Every organization regardless if it's government, military, private sector, finance, healthcare, the trenches are secured by the general user. So when we plaster up, like you said, these, you know, live life to the fullest, because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, we put forward these very complex and systemic issues and risks. And the context is, we don't know what to do now. I guess we have to look to our business leaders. We have to look to our cyber leaders. We have to look to these very complex institutions for solutions. 
when you and I both know, day in and day out, a system and organization infrastructure is secured by the user. Right. And and while I, again, mostly agree with you, I mean, there's no question the, the biggest gaping hole in every information system is the human factor. We've had videos on that. You and I have talked about that ad nauseum. There's no question. There is no bigger weakness than the human factor. But it's not like that isn't true of everything. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, so what do we do? You know, you know, eliminate, I mean, that's like the horror plot of, of, uh, when AI and robots take over the world, you know, you are what's wrong with this planet. We must kill the humans. You know, I mean, we, we can't say that that's the whole thing. Now I've talked about, you know, uh, zero trust architecture quite a bit. And one of the goals of, uh, a zero trust architecture is to reduce the dependency on that endpoint, reduce the role of that endpoint in the security infrastructure. I mean, you, you've heard me talk about this before. You know, Amazon does not care if you have the latest patches on your endpoint when you visit their website because they don't trust your endpoint anyway. If we build our architectures more around that sort of thinking, it would cut a lot of that out. So, but that still doesn't mean that these organizations are completely, you know, resilient and and, and impossibly impossible to be hacked. Uh, it's, it's it's simply not true. It's just you know we can do things to lower the risk of the human factor when it comes to the general user population. There, there is there's an architectural solution uh, for. Uh, that problem in many, not all, but many, many instances. No doubt. But but getting back to this whole getting back to this whole calamity howler thing, though, you know, there is a value in getting decision makers adequately, not excessively, but adequately scared. They need to be a little scared. They they need to not be so confident that nothing's going to happen to their business, to their organization. I, and, and if it takes a little bit of an extreme sometimes to wake them up, maybe. So forgive me for attempting to delve into the minds of the business leaders out there, the 70 some odd you know, percent of the business leaders out there that don't believe that cybersecurity is worth um, their time, money, and, ex and, and it, that it's worth their their time to invest in or their money to invest in. However, I, I I think you don't give them enough credit. I think that there is a business calculation that is done that they believe, hey, I've looked into it. I don't see it. It's just there's something, it's just not there. I'm making a lot of money or I'm providing a product, I'm providing a service. And by focusing on cybersecurity or increasing my focus on cybersecurity, that's going to hurt my business. Period. End of story. Right. I think that there's. You know, funny. I think that there. When we go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. When, when we teach um, risk analysis and and uh, risk calculations, particularly quantitative risk analysis, uh, you know, I, I I cover it in the CISSP boot camp. It just as an example. It's not the only place, but you know, we we do risk calculations. And what you're describing is a risk calculation where they're uh, looking at their exposure factor as being way less than what it actually is, 
and the cost of security controls as being way more. And, and, and I think that's where some of the miscalculation in uh, the lack of awareness uh, that's out there. We talked about this yeah. a few minutes ago. You know, the idea that everybody has to do everything is like, okay, you need to take uh, the entire NIST 800 series and apply it to your system, you know, right. in great detail. Well, we, we've seen how some organizations have tried to apply NIST and they've created a monstrosity of bureaucracy mm-hmm. while entirely missing the whole point of a risk framework, completely missing the point. They just turn it into more rules and more things. And everyone looks at that and says, oh, my God, this is going to put us out of business. You know, and, and in the private sector, someone definitely looks at it. I, I just saw a recent report where um, business leaders were asked whether or not they agreed uh, that they need to apply the uh, cybersecurity framework to their organizations. And what came out of that survey was very simply this. The business leaders all agreed that it was a best practice and something that is um, aspirational. But the overwhelming majority believed that they couldn't afford to do it. They couldn't afford to do it. So it's just saying what you're saying, but from a different angle. They think that the only way to do it is to do it all. That there's no such thing as right sizing, which is something that I actually can't stand hearing that sentiment out there. It drives me crazy. Well, there's a miscommunication factor. And I think that there's a miscommunication because there are people, there are cyber leaders that are out there that truly in their core believe this to be true. And there are other cyber leaders, not to cast aspersions, but there's other cyber leaders that utilize this as their springboard for additional revenue. And the fact is, is that right now what's being sold to uh, business leaders right now is that Technology has to be secure first, right? Uh, your network has to be secure. Security starts at the network, right? Security starts at the asset level. Security starts at the application level. And we both know that there are multiple ways to get around every single one of those safeguards that are implemented. And I think that cost that we're talking about comes from the implementation of new hardware, new software, these uh, brand new solutions that are out there that are sold as the golden ticket, right? The golden box that will secure all yeah, your the woes, golden ticket, right? That's where yeah. that cost comes and, from, and and that's and that and that is frankly the problem because you know part of our business model again I hate to plug our business <laughs> again, but part of our business model is is we we don't sell a product, but if you're one of these companies that that's your whole business is selling products, then that's you're, you're myopic focus. That's all you see. So, you know, it goes back to grandma's computer. No one wants to spend a hundred million dollars to protect, you know, grandma's computer because grandma's computer didn't have anything that valuable on it. And business leaders will always calculate what they can afford to lose. They will always make that calculation. Even manufacturers will put a product out there thinking, yeah, you know, probably X percent of these are going to fail. Uh, but instead of uh, doing a root cause analysis on this design right now, uh, let's wait for someone out there to find what's wrong with the system and they'll send it back to us and we'll, we'll give them all rebates. But when we run the, run the numbers, we realize that all of the recall costs, all of the bringing it back and fixing it for free, all of that 
is less than the cost of doing uh, the, the uh, uh, advanced activities. So they say, we'll take the risk. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with it if it comes back. Because who knows? Maybe it doesn't come back at all. Maybe it's fine. Maybe skipping that last round of QC you know, is saving us money and not costing us a dime. They will always make that calculation. And they make that calculation with cybersecurity and ad nauseum because they're not afraid enough. They think they can handle it. Yeah, I, I, agreed. And But posting up a big sign that says catastrophic events going to happen in two years to a lot of these business leaders, they're shrug because ultimately, what are we talking about? When we talk about catastrophic incidents in cybersecurity, we're talking about attacks on infrastructure, right? We're talking about attacks on infrastructure. We are talking about uh, attacks on the energy grid, on gas pipelines, on nuclear power plants. And those things have a very robust regulatory framework. Uh, as much in its infancy as, uh, as cybersecurity as it is, it's still there, it's still in place, and it's becoming more and more robust. I think the issue that a lot of business leaders are not seeing right now, that's getting, they're missing the trees for the forest, so to speak, right? Is that there is a major uh, blind spot in a lot of our defense, when it uh, not just our um, defense for, for infrastructure, but organizational defense for cybersecurity, and that's geopolitics. We have no idea how many uh, zero days China has just waiting in the wings to exploit somebody, anybody, anything at a whim, right? We've seen Russia in the last year do a number of things, or at least attempt to do a number of cyber attacks that have, for the most part, failed. And there's a reason for that, right? Because we have security, not to say that we don't have to worry about it, we absolutely have to worry about it, but the infrastructure to secure those, those critical parts of our economy, uh, of our energy sources, they're, they're there, they're, they're in motion. We don't have that for organizations though. We don't have that for businesses. We don't have that for small businesses. In the least, right. and that and, becomes and, a problem. You know, you you're not wrong. You know, and and frankly, instead of being this doom and gloom sayer that people just discount entirely, it probably would make more sense if the headline said, "You will lose ten times your cybersecurity budget the next time you are hacked." Right. You know, I mean, just something like that, right. which is actually more realistic. You know, you will lose 10 times your cybersecurity budget when you're breached. Yeah. And that's where <laughs> you know, maybe 100 times your cybersecurity that's budget. The you know, that's, that's the disconnect. That's the disconnect. That's the relevance. But that's the relevance that they need to see. Right. It's like, okay, you're scared to spend X on cybersecurity. But what is the cost of not? And that that's the message that's not conveyed when people go to the extreme and say, in two years, there will be a global catastrophe caused by cyber attack. I mean, that's the real problem that I see with, with, with that whole approach. But at the same time, I know that feeling invincible, feeling like it's not going to happen to me, it's not going to happen to my company. My guys know what they're doing. Oh, I have good cybersecurity. Oh, I hired Cisco or SolarWinds right. or, or right. whoever they may have hired, you know, that somehow or another they have the golden ticket. That sort of hubris needs to be taken down a peg because that's the sort of thing that gets businesses in trouble and that gets their uh, non-technically sophisticated CIO, 
laid off. Or the, yeah, and or the sizzle for that matter, right? Shown the that, door. That's the disconnect. The sizzles very often also. Well, that's the disconnect, know, right? Uh, is when you see are lacking enough awareness. I, I think, and I think this is reasonable to expect that when a business leader sees the headline, or even you know any layman sees the headline, you know, catastrophic mutating cybersecurity threat will strike in 2023. They're going to look at that and there will be a disconnect, but especially if they are not in critical infrastructure and you look at where a lot of the known um, threats are coming from, you know, the, the Davos report or the, the, the World Economic Forum report, the outlook for 2023 specifically talks about how cyber criminals are merging with nation state actors, right? And we've known this for a while. We did an episode uh, on this yes. a while ago, where we talk about you know cyber criminality, where it stems from, what it's funded by, yada yada yada. But ultimately, what we're starting to see is we're looking at less actual damage to uh, an organization's infrastructure as we're seeing like reputational risk at stake. Right? Uh, Cisco is one of the one of the business leaders and one of the cyber leaders that I think understands this pretty well because they've been at. You know, they've been targeted by known nation state actors that are sponsored by Russia, I think, since they pulled out of Russia, right? It's been a while. So they understand that. But a a basic organization, anybody in the in the private sector that doesn't I you know directly deal with infrastructure or critical infrastructure, I don't think understands that or sees that or makes that connection when they read right. the headline, catastrophic mutate, you know, so on and so forth. They say, yeah. hey, that's the big boys or that's these guys over here. That doesn't matter to my, you know, hospital network, right? When it absolutely yeah. does because it causes chaos. It ruins the reputation of known, uh, reliable solutions. And that's all that a lot of these nation states or criminals are looking to do. So there's a communication thing but even, that we have to be able we have to e fix. E even more than that, though, a zero day doesn't stay a zero day forever. It, it, it's the propagation of the knowledge that creates the uh, the risk lower down the right. food chain. And the bottom line is when NSA cyber weapons found their way into the dark web, there was a glut of attacks on regular people mm -hmm. and regular systems and small businesses and medium-sized businesses. Because once that uh, those attack methodologies were in the cyber criminal community, then they didn't have to invent a new uh, right. attack vector. They got they got one from the NSA. They got one from uh, these state-sponsored entities that were doing research in cyber mm -hmm. weapons, and then mm -hmm. someone, you know. Uh, does what they do as far as uh, breaching or, or, or breaching the trust that they establish with their uh, their organization and sharing that stuff with whomever, and, and and then you get a whole lot of other issues. So the, the the thing that should scare people in a more proximal way is the fact that these things are possible, and if these things are possible, forget about the targeting of uh, the nuclear reactor or the uh, bio research. Uh, facility or or the pipelines or all the other things that would create a nightmare event, a disaster event. And just think about the fact that those tools, if used against you, could be devastating to what you value. And they're out there. That's where, you know, 
I do agree that the hyperbolic statements do more harm than good. But the fear that they're designed to provoke is not entirely off target. Yeah. I, you know, I, people need to be can, afraid. We can absolutely delete this section if it gets too political here, 100%. But I liken a lot of this to how, what, how the messaging for climate change is packaged and delivered to the layman, right? It's very catastrophic. It's, you know, the headlines are, you know, uh, the Amazon rainforest will burn down to a crisp by 2035 and fresh water, you know, water is no longer uh, safe to drink, uh, and so on and so forth. And it creates a malaise and it's overwhelming for people. There's there's an actual uh, a term for this in psychology called apocalypse fatigue, where people have to make never ending decisions on, the, on an everyday basis to attack these ginormous complex systemic problems and that leads to fatigue it leads to malaise it leads to people becoming ambivalent about the very giant risk that is out there i think that's what's happening with cybersecurity right now is we're getting these big giant headlines about the that's that are catastrophizing overly maybe overly so uh very real issues putting it out there in so that the layman reads that and we have seen that time and time again how many data breaches were in the news just this last week how many people have had their identities stolen how many people were affected by the latest breach with lastpass or experian or lowe's home depot again how many times in the last year has that happened we've seen headlines almost on a daily basis talking about a data breach and there's yeah. a point where people tune it out and we're very i think we're, yeah. and, and i think we're past that you know but that's that, that that's why we're here yeah, that's, the, that's why, <laughs> that's why we have a job <laughs> that's the point of the cyber things, right you know like, because we want to try to communicate these things put in it in perspective perspective put it in reality there are there are certainly people who need to be scared right there's certain business leaders that need a uh 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 Christmas Carol type event, right? Where they are visited by the ghost of, of, of cybersecurity past and present and future to, to fully explain this to them. But the everyday person doesn't need that. The everyday person needs to understand how, what their part is in play in, to play here, how they right. can be uh, defensive about these things. Organizations need to, need to talk to their general users and empower those general users as opposed to scaring them or fear mongering. And so, yeah, that's yeah. why we're here. That's part of why this, we're doing this podcast, right? <laughs> that's to, to, to yeah. kind of gain that that's perspective. That's it, man. That's it. And, and you know what we need to do? Next time, let's actually look at what they really did say in, in Davos. And maybe just kind of go frame by frame and, and, and break down, okay, what, what did they actually say? And, and, and let's put it all in the context. Let's do that next I time. would love to sit down. Uh, let's go look at the forum. We'll take a look at the forum. We'll look at the uh, uh, how uh, business leaders, international leaders, are protecting cyberspace and exponential amid exponential change. So that's going to do it for uh, for this episode of the Cyber Guys. Look, we love doing these episodes. So if you like this episode, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, uh, so you can see all the new content that we're coming out with every single week. Remember, stay safe, be secure, be sure. We'll see you next time. Take care.